Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to episode 13 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Thank you very, very, very much, as always, for pressing play, download, or however you access your podcasts. Um, On today's show, we are speaking with one half of the Evolution Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Dale Johnson. Uh, Dale's got a wonderful story. He's very much still new to the business, but it's really interesting hearing him explain and discuss the process of going through the uh, training academy his first matches uh, his first title wins and so on it's really interesting chat and i hope you enjoy it a couple of quick things before we get to today's discussion with dale johnson Um, if you follow the show on any of our social media platforms on twitter facebook instagram and so on you would have seen posts about a special bonus episode of the sjp wrestling pod coming to you this Sunday via the Visionaries Global Media Network. Um, Keep an eye out for that. It should be out with you this Sunday. It's a great discussion. I'm not going to give away the topic or anything just yet. Just a little bonus show for everyone who enjoys listening to the podcast, and I hope you enjoy listening to that episode as well. Uh, Secondly, you may also notice on our social medias that there is posts and uh, interactions popping up about a second show I'm going to be working on. This is a show alongside um, Mags, who's been a regular guest on the SJP Wrestling Pod, uh, someone who I'm really grateful to all the time, because without him I wouldn't be doing this. We're going to be working together uh, on a new show called Chain Wrestling. Um, The information about how the show is going to work and with regards to what we're going to be covering will be coming to you very, very soon all on the social media platforms we have um you can follow mags uh, my co-host for the new show at dj kirkby on twitter that's d-e-j-k-i-r-k-b-y um you can also follow this show on twitter and facebook at sjp wrestling pod and you can also now follow the new show the chain wrestling podcast at chain underscore wrestling um, all the information for the bonus show this Sunday and the new show with Mags and myself, Chain Wrestling, will be coming out on the SJP Wrestling Pod social medias. So keep an eye out, chuck it a follow um, and keep a lookout for these episodes dropping to you very, very soon. Uh, on that note then, um, after me again waffling on for far too long on this intro, I apologise, uh, we get to our discussion today with Dale Johnson. I hope you all enjoy, and thank you for listening. Really happy to welcome one half of the current reigning Evolution Wrestling Tag Team Champions to the show, Dale Johnson. How the devil are we, sir? Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. How are you getting on? Oh, yeah. Living the dream, me. Living the dream, as always. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. I mean, with the um, current scenario the world is in, very much still here in the UK in a lockdown, and obviously it's affecting all over the world, the uh, the COVID-19 situation, I always like to sort of touch base with that first and how that has affected any guests with regards to uh, personally or, or, or mainly as uh, from a wrestling standpoint. How are you finding this, this, this crazy year and the lockdowns and so on? Uh, you know, it's like I've been, uh, I've been a little bit in and out with work at the moment. Obviously, with uh, everything that's going on, uh, uh, you know, not being able to go into people's houses and things like that to do my job. Uh, but yeah, missing wrestling like mad. I, uh, 
can't wait to go back to it sooner the better sooner the better. yeah yeah i mean it is difficult i mean from my standpoint having no shows to actually go and watch is difficult i can't imagine what it's like for you guys unable to actually go out there and do what you enjoy and obviously there are some guys in the business who depend on it for that their main income as well so I mean, it's an incredible it's unprecedented business it's an incredible situation oh, that yeah, we find so... ourselves in so yeah, it's, it's awful. I do. I really feel for the guys that like do this full time, and they just they must be just sat around not having a clue what to do with themselves. But no, even yeah. those guys who like you know just do it part time or just do odd, odd shows. Uh, yeah, we're all really missing it as well. It's a uh, it's a big thing not to be able to go and do all the time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it became quite quite a big thing in my uh, my household my wife and my two youngest children going to the events on a Saturday night and so on. Um, and like I said, we're missing, we're missing it from a fan standpoint, from an actual wrestler, competitor, performer standpoint. I can't imagine how, how frustrating that must be. Hopefully it all, uh, it all passes soon and we get back to some form of normality at least. Uh, hopefully, mate, the sooner the better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, where, as a fan then, I suppose, if we go right back to the very beginning... Where, as a fan, did you first discover this this crazy world of uh, professional wrestling? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm actually uh, the youngest of five brothers. So, uh, growing up, I never really had uh, much choice as to what went on the telly. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, my oldest brother, Simon. He um, He's the one who really got me into it. He, um, whenever, like, because he's 12 years older than me. So a strong name, like, that as well. He, uh, yeah, it's very good name. He's uh, he was sort of like the designated babysitter when we were younger. It was sort of like if any of the younger ones he'd open after, he'd be the one to do it. And um, I can't exa- remember exactly what it was, but the first match I remember watching was actually a Samoa Joe match in Ring of Honor. He, oh, okay. uh, yeah, he could probably tell me uh, who it was against and where it was or whatever. But um, no, all I remember it was a Samoa Joe match, and from there it was sort of like, oh, what's this? This is uh, this is pretty good. I was probably only about five or six um and from there i was like what's this um where can i watch more of this and then like he got me watching right down and things like that and i was hooked from there really <clears throat> oh okay i mean that's that's really interesting because i mean I, i've done um in in the short duration i've been doing this show i've done a, i've done a decent amount of interviews i, I like to think and i was sort of always i'm intrigued how people discovered wrestling before getting into the ring themselves um right. you're the first person who's actually said that it was a company <laughs> other than other than the wwe i mean that's really in, intriguing for me i mean especially considering you know the normal go-to would be potentially wcw for, for people of a certain age but the oh, fact that ring of man, honor was the first company you for, saw for that. Uh, yeah, yeah well, well, i said of a, of a certain yeah. age yeah that's what i meant yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i'm a little bit uh too young to WCW, but no, it was um, it was just like a one-off thing to be honest. Like watching um, a Ring of Honor match, I think it was just like on like Five Star or Channel Five or something like that. Okay, yeah. Where he, like my older brother, was a fan. He just saw the word wrestling, stick it on. I think I don't know how into it he was or how big Ring of Honor was at the time. Obviously, it wasn't like a tiny little company, but I don't know how mainstream it was back then. But yeah, that was the first the first match I saw. And then from there, it was like Raw and SmackDown and so on. Yeah, okay. So that was you say that was when you were around five or six-ish, yeah? Yeah, yeah, around that time, yeah. Okay, so around five or six-ish, and you then start watching Raw and SmackDown on a on a sort of semi-regular or main, main regular basis. Um, was there anyone on the big show, I suppose, for want of a better term, on, on the programming that stood out to you then? Who were, who were your early favourites? Oh, the Hardy Boys, man. I love the Hardy Boys. Always have for oh, as well. Je- so Jeff many Hardy, people tell me the same thing. Fantastic. Like, I, I'll be the first one to admit it. Like Everybody always gives me crap for saying, oh, Jeff Hardy was my favourite wrestler. Because I know he's not like you know up there with the elite as like the greatest wrestlers of all time. But he was the most entertaining, is the way I look at it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, WWE, the E stands for entertainment. And that's what stuck out to me the most. Like Jeff Hardy with his crazy hair colours, doing his mental jumps off things. It just, it, that, it, he hooked me like straight away. Yeah, and, and I think you make a really important point there as well. Um, it is, as they say, sports entertainment. Um, you've had guys who are 
pure wrestling based and, and, and incredibly talented at that. The likes of, um, I suppose, uh, Chris Benoit is a good example. Very, very yeah. talented in the ring, but perhaps lacks that personality on the microphone or, or lacked that personality um, or the charisma that maybe other guys had. Um, Jeff Hardy, to me, may not be as technically sound in the ring, hold for hold, in the, in the sort of style I enjoy, as a Chris Benoit or as a Dynamite Kid or people like that. Um, but, like you, like you said, he's got that sort of it factor, hasn't he? He is the entertainment yeah. side as well. Um, I, I, I liked Jeff Hardy. So seeing him win the, the, the world title as a singles wrestler was fantastic for me. Um, oh, yeah. That was cool. How, that was did, how did you find that? Then. Oh, I was about uh, okay. 10 years old. I remember going downstairs to like, because it was like on a school night and I wasn't allowed to stay up late at that point. I wasn't allowed to stay up late for the pay-per-views. I think WrestleMania was the only one I was allowed to stay up for enough because all my brothers were as well. Uh, right. I remember getting up super early in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning because I'd recorded it and uh, gone downstairs to watch it. And I, I was just so ecstatic. I think I probably cried. I was just I, I couldn't even get dressed for school. I was just running around the running around the house having his theme music <laughs> blasting, duking up and down the stairs. Oh, that's brilliant. That's oh, fun. Yeah. And again, that's 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 to me, that again, like you said, like the entertainment side of things. That to me is what wrestling is about. It's it's to I, I want to be entertained. I want to see good wrestling. That's my my go to. I want to see proper good wrestling. But even with things that maybe aren't ticking all the boxes for me if it gets if it gets emotion out of people if it gets entertainment if it can draw those reactions as the, as you just described out of people to me that's an incredible incredible thing it can do that's an incredible medium of entertainment to be able to get those emotions in people of all ages oh yeah 100% 100% it's um especially with like the thing is with Jeff Hardy like you can just tell how much he appeals to the younger audience if you say it's sort of like you just see like all the funny coloured hair and all the stupid jumps he does and how entertaining he is and he just hooks people straight away, especially people of a younger age who just see things and go, Wow, that that one thing, like that big jump was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so many memorable moments of him I suppose acting like a crash test dummy to a degree, just just insane jumps and falls oh, and yeah. so on. I think um, stupidly I've sort of adapted part of him into my wrestling style, which will probably to haunt me in a couple of years' time. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, the matches I've seen you work, I, um, some of the bumps and the sort of high-flying moves that I, I see you execute, yes, I can see that. Now you're saying that, I can see that influence in there. So, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. But, I mean, we'll, we'll circle back round to uh, to your in-ring style and, and, and so on a bit later. Um, yeah. But first, before we, before we get onto that, we need to sort of touch upon, as a fan, you're sat there watching Raw and SmackDown and whatever else you can find, and you're a big Jeff Hardy fan and so on. What then made you decide, okay, I'm going to give this a go? What, 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 what changed from one day sitting as a fan to the next day going, I'm going to do this? Well, um, I, I used to uh, I used to play football at quite a high level, um, but I took a pretty serious injury to my knee uh, a couple of years ago and uh, it sort of like wrote me off of football for a little bit and I was sort of like just sat there thinking about oh do I want to go back can I be bothered and then I suddenly realised that there was a wrestling school in Gloucester like I knew I knew about Evolution for a while I used to go to their shows and uh, I had a look into it afterwards I was like oh you know what I'm going to go and give this a go so uh, I rang up one of my mates who's a wrestling fan as well um, I think I was on like a Friday night and then Sunday morning we just went down to Evolution to have a look and then uh, I've sort of been there ever since I guess just uh, okay. the furniture to them now <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, I, really. I, I get you I mean, so would you um, you say you were playing football at a, a relatively good standard if you didn't suffer this injury do you think you'd have gone down this path still or would you have maybe potentially carried on with, with the football side Oh, no, I've um, I always wanted to give it a go. I always said at some point I would go down there and just give it a go, see what it's like. You know, it might not be for me. I'll uh, I've always, you know, got can go back to football or whatever. But um, no, it, it, I think it all happened for the best, and I'm a lot happier now doing this than I was playing football. It turns out, even though I thought that that was going to be my main passion in life, but it turns out I actually uh, enjoy wrestling 
two, three, four times as much. Yeah, it's funny how things work out, isn't it? It's funny how sometimes life seems to throw a setback at you. But then, you know, I suppose the the, the cheesy old saying, the old adage is everything happens for a reason and, and, and that knee yeah. injury obviously backs that theory up, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, exactly. so okay, you made the decision. You've you, you spoken to your friend um, on the Friday. You've gone down to the training school on the Sunday. Um, there's a couple of questions I always ask people about their first training session. One is the feelings you have as you're approaching the door, literally just before you walk in for your first your first training session there. Was there any nerves? Were you um, uh, regretting your decision or were you confident or were you happy? Or And secondly, um, tell us about the very first proper bump you took. Well, no, um, when I first got there, obviously there's a little bit of nerves when you try something new for the first time, regardless of what it is really. That's... Um... I think that's part of the reason why I didn't want to go on my own because I didn't want to, like, you know, be chucked in the deep end with a load of strangers or whatever. But yeah, um, that makes sense. No, straight from the off, it was, as soon as I walked in there, like my attitude and like just my nerves just sort of went and it changed once I realised like how calm and relaxed and how much of a friendly atmosphere it is is there. But um, while we're on it, I cannot speak highly enough of the guys at Evolution and their wrestling school. Like they got all the, they're done. Help me out with anything they can. They'll let you run at things at your own pace when you're a newcomer, and it was just really nice and friendly and relaxed. Which is great, isn't it? Because it kind of, like you said, it, most people would have nerves when they're trying something new for the first time or, or whatever. Um, having that positive atmosphere, that. Um, that nice atmosphere, I suppose, to, to simplify it, to to train in straight from the off, that welcoming um, environment really must help. Uh, yeah, 100%, because I was going in there not knowing anybody, not knowing what it entailed or what I needed or anything like that. But, like, the guys who run it, they just, they were so helpful and so friendly, and it was just, like, brilliant. Like, I'd recommend anybody who wanted to give it a go to go to evolution before they go anywhere else because it was just brilliant and like nice friendly atmosphere exactly what you want when you're trying something new for the first time yeah and you're not the first person to say this either i've spoken to a, a, a few people who have gone through the evolution academy and they all say exactly the same thing about how fantastic it is how welcoming it is so i second that i would also you know again outside looking in i am um i've never been through it myself but going by what other people tell me I, I second what you're saying there. Evolution Wrestling has a great setup and, and it's well worth looking at as a first point of contact if you're looking to get into the business at all. Oh, 100%, um, so so who who was with you um, at the training session then? Who who was sort of taking the sessions? Who was putting you through your paces? And, and what do they get you doing to start off? Well, um, <clears throat> the first ever session, um, when I went uh, taking the wing of uh, Ricky Reed for my first training session as, okay. uh, as one of the more veteran guys there and uh, I think uh, Liam took all of the other trainees the guys who have been there he took them so they could do like their proper training session so I didn't because I didn't want to slow anybody down obviously or no, I you know embarrass myself so they were like <clears throat> they had a second ring there at the time slightly smaller one so um, yeah he took us into the smaller ring just had us you know doing the basics, taught us how to bump, taught us how to hit ropes, you know, a couple of rolls, a little bit of a warm-up. And then uh, towards the end of the session, once we felt a little bit more confident, he was like, right, let's uh, get you guys in the big ring, get you doing a proper bump. Because uh, before we went into the big ring, they had the crash mats out for us to learn to bump. So, you know, just in case we did it wrong, it wouldn't hurt and things like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, once we got into the big ring, uh, he had filled it ring not like a slightly more child friendly one like everything was just different everything was a little bit harder everything hurt a little bit more and that first bump was not fun (laughs) okay well well, tell me about that i mean people always say about how it's a surprise when you run the ropes how much that does hurt initially and then obviously the first bump so so talk me through that was it a shock to the system Oh yeah, big time. It's all like, well, we've been spending like about an hour or so just doing bumps on mats and running ropes on softer ropes. 
as soon as they uh, got into the bigger ring, I could feel the difference straight away. And uh, I took that first bump, and I was like, oh, my God, that sucked. <laughs> but, you know, he, he was like, come on, get up, do it again, get up, do it again. Keep practicing, keep getting better, learn how to take him better, and, you know, bumps and bumps now. You know, you know what I mean? Like, when you've been yeah. doing it for like a few years, you just sort of take him now. No, I understand. I understand. So, so again, linked with that, I suppose. Um, you say you were training on a Sunday, yes? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, Sunday. Yeah. Morning. So, how was Monday morning? <laughs> oh, the, 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 to be fair, it wasn't until Tuesday it really hit me. To be fair, I don't, I don't know why. It was sort of like the Monday woke up. I was a bit like, oh yeah, man. I could definitely feel like I did something. You know, I feel, I feel, feel a little bit bruised, a little bit battered. And then uh, Tuesday, I went to get up, and I was like, oh my god, this is worse. <laughs> <laughs> so like it was like one day delay and then the Tuesday everything hit me but then uh, I had to perk up pretty quickly because uh, they train twice a week at Evolution and I had to go back there the Wednesday evening for a second session right okay so I mean so I think, were you still uh, hurting by the time you went in well by, the, by Wednesday I, I was I was a bit better and you know the more you do something the easier it is to get used to so I think yeah. it, was, it was very beneficial doing it twice a week instead of once a week Okay, oh, I understand. Okay, and and so how how did your training progress time wise then? I mean, you say your your first session you were sort of off on the side because you were new and very much, if you pardon the pun, learning the ropes, I suppose. Um, how how quickly were you then integrated in with the rest of the trainees, uh, and and how would a normal a normal session you would attend at that stage? How, how would that go? Oh well, uh, my second Sunday I was in I was in with everybody else. Um, Obviously, the first session is just to get you used to everything, you know, teach you the basics, man, to do everything. Then, yeah, they uh, put me in with everybody else and they took training a little bit slower for my benefit. And, uh, yeah, it was really helpful being able to do stuff with a variation of other people. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Um, I, I, at the moment, like we said, you're, you're currently um, one half of the Evolution Wrestling Tag Team Champions uh, with... Liam Jones as your partner, who who was yes. a previous guest on the show, I had, a, had a great discussion with Liam. Um, I'm sure he was at every training session as well, because I, I understand he takes some of the sessions sometimes as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Liam, uh, Liam's a brilliant trainer. Um, he taught me a lot. To be fair, there's um, there is a lot of different guys who come to uh, Evolution, which is again another great reason why it's one of the best schools around. I've um, had the pleasure of being trained by a lot of different guys, like UK Dominator. John Redmond, Tyson T-Bone, people like that. But um, yeah, Liam's sessions are brilliant. He's nice, calm, patient, lets you do things at your own pace. Lets you learn. He's nice and laid back with it as well. Like if you say, oh, Liam, I want, I want to learn to do this. He'd be like, okay, let's do it, which is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, same to I mean, that's good because it allows you to sort of, I suppose, have your own input and maybe your own creativity into what you're doing as well, which is which is fantastic rather than having some... Um, I guess drill sergeant type just yelling at you to do this, that, the other. I suppose that is again a, a, an example of the environment and atmosphere you, you're training in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's sort of people respond a lot better when you're a lot calmer as well. Like, I probably wouldn't still be doing it if I had somebody breathing down my neck all the time, screaming in my face and calling me every name under the sun. Mm. Because you do hear horror stories like that, don't you? And you do see clips oh, yeah, on the television yeah. of training schools and In, in in trainees' faces and and all that yeah, sort of yeah, that, that may that. that may well have been for the cameras. Don't get me wrong. Um, and WCW in its later years is never a good advert for professional wrestling at any level. But that's the sort <laughs> of sort of, <laughs> that's the sort of image um, you hear about fairly often. So having that atmosphere at the Evolution Academy to me sounds like somewhere I'd be perfectly happy to send my kids. I mean, that's saying, oh, yeah. you know, that's absolutely, you know, uh, and again, you're not the first person to explain that to me. Um, so from there, then, you're, you're training every week, every Sunday and Wednesday, you say? Yep. Um, is it literally in ring just technique you're working on, or are you looking then already at developing a character? Have you got ideas in your head where you're going to go with regards to 
your in-ring style? Um, are, are you? I suppose are you trying to? Are you almost finding yourself as a wrestler at this early stage? Well, yes and no. Um, it's sort of like with the sessions, you quickly learn what you are good at, what you can and can't do, what your limits are, especially okay. with, like the way it works. Because um, it's not all just like you know, go in and have a ten-minute match, go. It's like you know, you got to set your cardio, you got to learn everything really just a lot of rolls and bumps and tech wrestling and loads of different aspects of it so it's really finding your feet with what you're best at before you can even think about looking at character work and things like that um like with my first academy match i didn't really have a chance to pick a character or anything because i was still quite new i just sort of like was like oh here's your match i'm like oh okay so uh I guess I'll just sort of roll the dice and see what happens when I go out there and base what I am on other people's reactions. Right. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, so let's talk about your first, your first match, your first academy uh, appearance. How long were uh, you training for um, before that decision was made? And was that something you put yourself forward for, or did one of the trainers come to you and say, "Come on, then, you know, let's get you in the get you out there"? Or uh, how did that first match come about? Uh, well, um, with the Evolution Academy matches, they like to give everybody a go. You know, like you're there to learn to train and learn to become a wrestler. So they give everybody a go. I only had um, eight weeks training when I had my first academy show. Um, it was meant to be a tag match. It was meant to be me and the lad that, who I brought with me to train in uh, against uh, Colin England and Logan Blackmore. Yeah, okay, I know them. But um, the lad who I worked with decided it, oh, it's not really for me. So uh, it then became a one-on-one match between me and Colin. And um, yeah, I'd only had eight weeks training, so it was a bit of a shock to the system for me, but I got through it. It was... Uh, not a technical masterpiece uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It was uh, pretty bland and pretty basic, but I got through it, and uh, in the end, I really enjoyed it. So, but just before you go through the curtain, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming by this stage that you you have entrance music picked out at the academy show and so on. Um, your music's playing just before you go out. What's going through your head? How, how are your nerves? Uh, again, it's that thing of for the first time, isn't it? But at the, on the other side of the coin. You, you've had a duration of training where you said you felt very comfortable. So what were your thoughts just before you stepped out for the first time? Oh, I was a bag of nerves before my first match. Right. An absolute bag of nerves. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether it was, you know, doing something in front of people for the first time or I was afraid I was going to get mess something up or get hurt or, you know, hurt myself. I don't know. There was just something about it. That I'm like waiting behind the curtain. I was, I was in, not, not necessarily in Bit, but I was really quite nervous about it until I got out there. But when, once I got in the ring again, it just also I sort of calmed down a little bit and just sort of worked through what I knew and just ran with it from there. Okay. Um, and, and then how often would you be working these academy shows after this point, after your first match? Was that like a taster and then you, you sort of were left training again for a while or did it then from there become a more regular thing? Yeah, well, um, Evolution tends to do about four academy matches a year, so like you know, sort of quarterly. So oh, right, okay. due to due to the time of year I started, I ended up with about eight weeks training before the first one. But then I had a nice three four month gap until the next one. So I'd managed to obviously learn a lot in those four months and get myself to a better standard. And um, so, for example, the first academy match, I. Uh, I only, had, I only had one eight-minute match that, that day. But then on the second Academy show, I think I had three matches and a rumble. Oh, why? So you were busy so, then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's sort of like, you know, with, with Academy matches, it's not like a standard evening show where it's like, you know, six matches, here's your card. It's sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, right, so Dale, you're going to have this tag match and you're going to have a battle royal and you've also got this one-on-one match, but they're spaced nice and evenly among the show so you get a chance to talk to everybody and sort out amongst yourselves what's okay, happening so so your first show you, you you've had this match where you're very nervous and so on then you've had um a few months before the second show has come around 
you say you felt well obviously after doing the training for an ex- a longer period you're going to feel more confident you're going to have be a bit more aware of what what you can do yourself that second academy show you say it was that the one that you did the multiple matches on sorry yeah 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 okay so that second academy show um did you feel a lot more confident in yourself were the nerves still there or did they sort of disappear because of the extra training you'd had? Well, there were still some nerves there because, again, I still wasn't used to doing things in front of a group of people. I mean, I know it's only like my friends and peers and things like that, but it's still like, you know, doing it. In front still, of it's still eyeballs on you watching, you watching you compete, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, there were still nerves there, but I felt a lot better about it than I did the other one. And the fact that they gave me more matches meant that they trusted me more. Which obviously made me feel yeah. great about myself. So that again gave me another little boost of confidence, if you like. Okay, so so you say you worked a singles, a tag, and effectively a, a Royal Rumble style gimmick. Yeah, there, about yes? a Royal. About yeah. a Royal. Okay. Um, did you have a preference on the night? Um, uh, it, is singles to tag team wrestling something you find easy to switch between? Uh, I don't. I don't have a problem doing either. Uh, obviously, tag wrestling is a lot easier on yourself because obviously you're not in the ring as often or for as long. Yeah, you but, share um, the workload, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, I um, I don't have a preference either. I quite happily. I'm happy where I am now in a tag team with Liam. I'm more than happy to go out there and do singles if that's what's needed. But I I really don't have a preference. I just enjoy doing it. Okay, I mean, let's let's briefly touch upon the uh, the battle royal then. I mean, this is your second your second show. Um, obviously, you've had months of training under your belt, uh, a very um, good high standard wrestling academy teaching you, showing you the way, and so on. Um, to be told then, okay, we're working a battle royal. Is this was this news to you, or was this something that you'd worked on in the academy training sessions building up to the event? Uh, no, there's um they close every uh, academy show with a with a battle royale and um you know it's sort of like a big thing at the end so everybody can have one last little go around um they'll give a trophy out to the winner and it's you know for a bit of fun at the end so everybody can have a one last little go so I knew it was coming and mm-hmm. um to be fair um I was actually booked to win it so uh, I didn't have to stress about being chucked over by anybody which was a bit of an added bonus ah wonderful so you closed the show <laughs> holding the trophy then yeah yeah yeah. It was nice. Yeah, that was going to be one of the questions I was going to ask. Hearing about effectively your second show, you're dropped in a battle royal. I'm always fascinated by how these multi-person matches work with regards to how they're structured. Um, who knows who who knows there who is eliminating who and when and so on and how it's timed and all that. I always find that absolutely fascinating because there's so many moving parts um, yeah. to how that match is put together. Um, but obviously, you say you didn't need to be too concerned about that because you weren't being eliminated at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the way the way they do them at the Evo Academies is just um, they sort of like give you a little bit more free reign with it. They uh, they sort of like they'll say to you, right, this is the four people we want at the end. Just work right. everything out, work everything else out amongst yourselves, which which is nice again because it gives you a chance to like you know maybe do something that you didn't have a chance to do earlier on in the day. Or, you know, work with someone that you want to work with that you didn't get booked to work with. So it, it's nice that there's that little bit at the end where you can have a little bit more freedom and get to do something different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Again, it sounds like a real fun app working and learning. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's great. I mean, so from there then, how many Academy shows, um, you say it was like four a year that they tend to put on? How many academy shows were did you work before you made the step up onto working on, I suppose, for want of a different term, the main show, I guess? Uh, ju- just those two, actually. It was, um, yeah, just those two. It was the month later I uh, got called into the office to say that I was going to be having my first main show match. Right, okay. So so how did that work? You were at a, you were at a training session and then... You were given yeah, yeah, well, a, a shape to come into the office and talk us through that process. Yeah, so well, um, obviously they reward they reward you at Evolution if you try hard and you work hard, you get your chances. You know what I mean? Um, okay. So it was sort of like they'd seen how hard I was working. I was always like, you know, when the first people there, I was one of the last people to leave. Um, when it came to training, so um, I don't know whether it was 
uh, whether they were just rewarding me or whether they, you know, really liked me and wanted me on shows. But yeah, it was uh, they're like, oh, we're going to book you on this show in October. And I was like, oh, brilliant. This is, uh, could be the start of something good. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I mean, that's obviously just, just sort of running back through the timeline in my head now. That's effectively uh, five months, potentially, it, it from, was, it was, from working it in the... Eight months, I think, from my first session to my first main show. Right, okay, okay, apologies. Eight months. I mean, that's still not a, a massive length of time in it, my it's, head, obviously. It's not a great deal, no, but it's, uh, it's more than what some people have done here. Right, okay. So your first main show then, um, where was that? Was that at the Wooden Hall, the Evolution Run, or was it a different venue? Uh, no, it was at um, St Barnabas Church Hall in Gloucester. I don't know if you went to that show. That show I did not, but I know of the venue. I've seen pictures and a couple of videos of that that event, yeah. yes. I mean, look, the pictures looked incredible, months. wrestling in that, inside that church, that venue. It looked amazing. Oh, it was it was a brilliant venue. It was a proper spectacle to look at. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, they've only done a show there once i don't know if they were planning on doing more this year but obviously with the ongoing global bastard they weren't able to uh, (laughs) yeah um yeah but no that was a brilliant venue to work in it was nice and different yeah okay so so, so what was your your main roster debut i suppose um was it in a singles or were you in a tag or how, how did how did they go oh i had a um i had a singles match against jay joshua it was um, leading in from a tag match that had just finished where uh, Jay and his stable sort of like started attacking the babyface tag team. And then, you know, when the locker room empties and all the all the babyfaces come out to make the save and uh, our match was booked from the uh, the aftermath of a brawl, in, uh, essentially. Right, okay. So how how did that go then? Was it were you given plenty of time, or was it a short little debut? Um, and how was it working in front of? I mean, you mentioned at the academy shows, it's it's very much your peers and friends. Uh, to, to to use your your words, these are the paying public, I guess. Was there a difference you noticed in in the people watching? Oh yeah, there was a there was a definite difference because you know these people who are coming to pay to watch the evening shows, these are like actual wrestling fans. Whereas mm. on academy shows, like with no disrespect, it is just you know people's friends and family. They're only here to see the one person. So yeah, having, no, like, having a crowd there that are actually getting invested in every match, it, it was a lot easier because they, you know, as the baby face as well, you could feel them getting behind you and they wanted you to win, which again just boosts your confidence even more. Yeah, that's good. And that's good as well, isn't it? If, if... If you've got that, I mean, it's very. I suppose the first, the, the difficult frustration would have been if there was no reaction to you whatsoever. I suppose would have been a, a problem. I suppose again, outside looking in, you know, it's uh, that that's what you're, you're you're always told, isn't it? If you get no reaction, that's that's the issue, as opposed to a positive or negative reaction. Any any reaction is obviously better than no reaction at all. But the fact that you know they actually cared and they got behind me mm. did uh, make. I mean, I know. I, I did actually pack quite a few seats for that one just with my friends and family again because obviously it was my first evening show but even the ones who weren't there for me got behind me eventually and it was a real like nice feeling to know that people oh, yeah, I bet I bet that felt fantastic yeah I bet that was incredible yeah. Um. so so from there then you, you've made your debut Um. you say you, you're the good guy I suppose a baby face or, or however yeah. people want to term it um, you're still at the moment, uh, you know, your first match, a singles wrestler. How did it then progress? Um, did you work more singles matches or did you team up with Liam quite early? How did the you, your main roster, your main show um, career sort of expand after that first contest? Uh, well, um, after that, again, it was just, uh, you know, a couple of uh, singles matches here and there in a couple of different venues. And um, it ended up, there was a middleweight championship tournament that we were doing in Cinderford. Right. And um, me and Liam were in the finals of that. Um, but the match ended in a no contest due to interference and it turned into a big tag match. And that was the first time I ever tagged with Liam from there. And um, 
me and Liam are quite we're we're good mates outside of wrestling as well. Me and Liam, like you know, we've been out drinking together, we've stayed around each other's houses after nights out and things like that. So mm-hmm. we've always sort of like been doing things like a training together. So it'd be like you know, oh, this would be really cool to do this tag meet and things like that. And then lo and behold, we end up getting booked as a tag team together. Right. Okay. So it was kind of. It, it wasn't necessarily in the plans. It was. It wasn't a concrete plan, but it kind of. It was something you had discussed, and that, that evening it kind of dropped on your lap. Yeah, well, to an extent, yeah. It was sort of like in the November, we had this big eight-round tag match where we teamed together. And we did a couple of the little things that we'd done in training, and that was nice. And I think, like, obviously, I don't really have much, well, if any, intel or booking decisions to be made. It's not my position to make them. Um, yeah, it came about that me and Liam were being booked together as a tag team, so it was really good to be able to tag with one eight help me and teach me more whilst we're still doing it. No, it makes a lot of sense, yeah. And of course, there's somebody that you knew from the academy as well, training and so on with you and taking sessions. It seems yeah. like an ideal situation, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think it's really helped me out as well. I mean, I know due to the current situation we haven't been having any shows lately but the few shows that we have tagged together I feel like I've learned quite a lot from him just from being in the ring with him well that makes sense I suppose the, the the amount of time he spent around around the business around the academy and so on um, I, mean, I think that's a great thing to, the respect you obviously show him there as well is a great thing to hear it's obvious that you two do get along really well and seeing you two work together as a tag team um, sat in the seats watching you perform, it seems like a very natural fit to somebody just watching as a fan. I, I always enjoyed the matches that I, I've seen you in, um, and it does seem like a real natural fit, the two of you working together. Yeah, well, I, I like to think so. Yeah, I like to think me and Liam do have really good chemistry together. Um, I don't know if he feels the same way. I hope he does, obviously. But um, no, I really enjoy working working with Liam because I just feel like everything flows better and we've got very similar ideas and we have very similar views on wrestling and what makes a good match yeah definitely definitely okay I mean with regards to uh, to Liam Jones we mentioned him quite a few times today obviously he's been a big part of your training and now your actual your main show experiences I mean he has been a previous guest on the show that's way back on oh let me think episode seven i believe so if anyone listening wants to check out my chat with liam about how young he got into wrestling and how he helped at a very young age take the training sessions and so on please do episode seven look back for our social medias and find that there um it's got an incredible story yeah, definitely. It was really interesting talk. It was. I encourage people to go and go and have a listen. I'll, I'll probably re-tag it on the end of, of this episode as well from, from when our discussion goes out. Yeah. Um, so you then eventually, with, with Liam, win, your tag, win the tag team titles. I'm assuming that is your first championship. Yeah, yeah, that's my first one, except for the uh, Battle Royal Trophy, obviously. <laughs> yeah, 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 first, yeah uh, okay. Hey, they all count. <laughs> yeah, I count it. How how much in advance, how far in advance were you aware that this was going to happen, that you were going to be winning these titles? And uh, how, obviously people know how the business, how the business is structured. People know it's, it's, it's a work for want of a better term, but still being, in, being entrusted with holding a championship when there isn't many to go around. To me, I imagine that would still fill people with a bit of pride. How, how, how did it come to you? Oh yeah, well, obviously, I, it made me feel great because again, it just showed that you know the bookers and the guys who run Evo, they, you know, they uh, put their trust in me and they respect me enough to put a title on me. Um, but no, it sort of like came about off this um, middleweight title tournament and the uh, eight-man tag that followed. It sort of made sense. It was sort of like me and Liam were then going to go back and, and do something cost them a championship because they cost us one and there was talks about us winning it for a while but you know you never want to take anything set in stone uh, because you know this business is like it can change all the time but it wasn't until on the day that I actually saw it written down on the on the match card that it properly sunk in I was like oh my god this is this is actually happening and they they do believe in me and they trust in me they want to put faith in me and it just it was a great feeling to know that they would do that to me 
So that's how you found out, was it, on, on the day, I suppose? Yeah, well, there, there was talks of it, but obviously you never want to set your hopes up or put anything. Yeah, yeah. Or anything like that. But no, on, on the day when I actually saw it written down on the match card, it, it was a good feeling. Okay, I mean, and, and then um, you win the titles um, and card. A few defences before the the obvious lockdown hits. Um, do you have any favourite matches that, that that you can sort of draw upon now? Do you have any um, odd stipulation matches or anything whilst defending the titles that uh, that come to mind? Well, um, the Extreme Rules match that we won it in was obviously like that'll always be like a favourite of mine just because you know it was my first title win and it was my first stipulation um, match. And being such these a are the ones I was hoping you bring up. <laughs> being uh, being such a Jeff Hardy marker, I was sort of like in my element a little bit here. I was like, right, I need to chuck in at least one Jeff Hardy-esque spot into this match. And uh, luckily I managed to do it, which... Uh, um, talking of normal matches, I think the match we had in Cinderford against Bino and DeVries, that was probably one of the better quality matches I've ever had, if not the best match I've ever had. It was like, you know... Four guys like the other three guys, they they were brilliant to me. So I'm still really green at this point. I've been wrestling for less than a year. Mm-hmm. And they they really helped me through with that match. So kudos to all of those guys as well. I mean, that is some talent as well. I mean, uh, Darius, I think, is fantastic. And whenever he's come to the Evolution shows and I've watched him, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, I think I think he's great. And I've, I've got a Darius t-shirt sat up in my wardrobe and everything. I'm a big <laughs> fan of that fan. I, I, I think he's brilliant. And obviously, Bino yeah. as well, he's... He's different class, isn't he? I mean, that's and, and yourself. I'm a big fan of, of the matches I've seen you in, and obviously Liam is established and and um, is is very good to watch also. So that's that's an incredible foursome there. I can imagine. I was I wasn't at that event sadly, but I imagine that that would have been potentially the, you know the match of the night to the show stealer, so to speak. Just it's, just because uh, the names that are involved, all all four of you. Well, it, that was actually the main event of the night. To be fair, so. Um... It was good that we got a little bit of extra time. We could ch- throw some more stuff in there. But um, all of my matches are on my YouTube channel, which anybody can go and find and rewatch if they need to. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, we'll plug all that away, and I'll, uh, I'll definitely go back and have a look at that one. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, that's, 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 that's four guys that I, I enjoy every time I've seen wrestle. So four, the four of you in a mix in the mix together, that's something I'll definitely be looking watching this afternoon. Um, yeah, thanks. With regards to you mentioned the extreme rules matches you had there, I mean these yeah. really stand out to me um, simply because they're they are very different to what I'd normally see at an Evolution Wrestling show. You do see you know, certain non DQs and certain bits and bobs used, like there's a chair shot in certain times and so on. But yeah. the stuff that yourself, Liam, uh, and your opponents put on in those extreme rules matches was was absolutely incredible um i was at the show i mentioned this to liam i believe when i when i spoke with him i was at the show with my my mother came along uh, it was one of her first wrestling events oh yeah um and she's in her 60s and then i was with my 10 year old daughter so and then you had myself and my wife who, who was all you know uh late 30s it's quite a mix of ages in our little group sat watching but yeah. it was really intriguing for me looking at my mum's reaction and my youngest daughter's reaction and seeing effectively the same response to certain spots, certain moments. Um, it, I think it was um, incredible how how it affected everyone watching and you could feel it in the crowd. Um, I've got to ask you about the Lego. <laughs> um, I, I think every person who's ever trod on a Lego or every parent who's gone into the, their, their kid's bedroom to turn off the light or the TV at night and uh, has found a little bit of wayward plastic left on the floor barefooted knows how much yeah. those, blood, those bloody things can hurt. Um, oh, yeah. Did you hit the Lego at any stage? Did you take a big bump on that or did you try and steer bloody clear? Because I imagine that, <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> um, the bump on it? So I left that for Liam and... Uh, Thomas Winter to deal with it was um, mainly Liam's idea to get the Lego in because obviously we had to that was the second Extreme Rules match so we wanted to do something bigger than the last yeah. one yeah. so when Liam Liam came up with the idea and we were like well, that, we can't do much else better than that so that was we, we had that in to be the last the last spot of the match so I didn't 
it was it was from a superplex. It was Liam and Thomas Winter doing a superplex. I didn't actually take a bump on it, but um, me and Liam after the superplex hit our um, tag team finishing move, which is a middle rope moonsault followed by Liam hitting a swanton. So uh, I sort of hit it a little bit off the moonsault, but I didn't mm-hmm. take a full on bump on it. So, but from it wasn't nice from the little bit that I got, so I can't imagine what it was like for those two guys in the bump. Um, the reaction from the crowd, or from where I was sitting anyway, the people around me, because the bag sort of came out, and you had that initial reaction of, "Oh, what is this?" Yeah, and then they open. Yeah, that's where everyone's mind kind of goes, I think. And then... I, think, I think that was the point that we were trying to make with this spot. Like, if we get the Lego and put it in a black bag, everyone's going to think it's tax. And yeah. then we're going to get such a different reaction and a more shocked reaction when they open the bag and it's not tax. Yeah, exactly. And it was, I mean, I, I, my mind straight away went to, it's fun tax. And I was quite taken aback because I'm, I'm sat there with my kids and so on. I'm thinking, oh, street, where's this going to go? And yeah. then you see the Lego and you effectively have, I imagine it's people of a certain age who have kids and so on, maybe sort of give a bit of a laugh. Oh, it's Lego. And they chuckle. And then the realization sets in and that chuckle sort of turns to a, Ooh, you were actually going to land on that. Exactly. And, and like I said, you know, any parent has stepped on a, a left out block in their kid's bedroom at night knows the pain. I can't imagine oh, yeah. 40 of the damn things going into your back, but <laughs> yeah. So as we, uh, so as I think, uh, for the next extreme rules match, I'm going to suggest a bag full of plug tops and we'll see how that one goes down. Oh, Struth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You can still pull rank. You can say, Oh, Liam, I'm not sure about this. You, you best go take the bump on that, mate. You know? <laughs> um, so, I mean, as we sort of draw to a close here today, um, where once lockdown and the whole COVID thing is hopefully very much in our rear view mirrors, where do you hope to see, hope to be going? Where do you see yourself going when when wrestling returns? Do you have any ambitions? Um, what's in the future for, for yourself? Well, I think anybody doing this, if they don't say that they want to make it to wwe or nxt uk or AEW or something like that is a liar yes i agree there, i agree there is no other reason for doing this other than the fact that you want to get there and you want to do it professionally so obviously a big main goal for me is to wrestle a show like that even like an nxt uk even if it's a dark match just get there but obviously that's probably quite a few years away if at all but my main guy i just want to wrestle as many different people as many different places as possible yeah, okay, makes sense. Again, it's very interesting talking with you. Um, you're at a different stage, I suppose, in your career than some of the other guests I've had questions with, in that not long finished coming through the academy, you're still kind of within your first um, very early period of wrestling. So it's been a fascinating discussion hearing about the training process stepping onto the, the the academy show and then the main show for the first time and so on i've always enjoyed the matches that you're in whenever i'm at a show um Appreciate the tag that. matches with liam are great and no, honestly it's it's brilliant i always really enjoy i enjoy the evolution shows anyway they're fantastic but i look yeah. forward to always seeing are. you and liam tag together so no, i've really enjoyed that um before i let you go seeing as you are a first time guest on the show there's a little something i like to do with people or bin it, book it best, just in case we have any first-time listeners um, on today's episode. I mean, first of all, where you've been. We've had a few episodes out, catch up. But secondly, <laughs> um, <laughs> secondly, the way the way this works is um, just a little bit of fun, a little bit of a, a discussing um, wrestling we've seen on the television. Um, bin it is very much something that uh, Dale will select that he he sees as being embarrassing as a fan growing up, cringeworthy, or just downright awful and rubbish that he wants to effectively erase from wrestling's past, chuck it in the bin, get rid of it altogether. Um, book it is uh, very much a little bit of fun with some fantasy booking potentially, uh, a story or a match or an angle or, or an event where the ending didn't quite land or 
you, you feel that you could have told a better story or even potentially just wanted to see a different story and a little bit of fantasy booking or something in the past. And then best is your absolute favorite of something, whether it's an event you go back to and watch again and again and again, a certain match you always chuck on the, on, on the network or YouTube or wherever, or, or your favorite wrestler um, that, that you just think is, is wonderful. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's basically what, what we sort of close the show with, with first-time guests. So if you're ready, Dale? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I will take your binnet, please, sir. Uh, binnet, I'd have to go with stipulation pay-per-views, I think. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, things like TLC and Helena Sow are just these, like, especially a Helena Sow match. Like, the point of a Helena Sow match used to be like this was a big blood feud that you could only solve in this big cage that was going to destroy these. And now, oh, it's October. Guess it's going to be a Helena Sow match. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, but like, obviously, I think I'd have to keep Money in the Bank as his own pay per view, especially now there's a women's match just because I don't think they can fit them both on WrestleManias. But things like TLC and Helena Sal just make them mean something instead of just it's you know, it's December, so you can have a TLC match or things like that. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. It's like two people having like a first match in a feud and it's a Helena Sal match for no reason other than the fact that that's what the pay per view is called or that's what time of year it is. Yeah, I can fully get on board with that. I fully agree with you. Back in, um, well, it was October, Hell in a Cell rolls around, isn't it? Um, yeah. I did a I did a Hell in a Cell episode looking at the, the, the current WWE product uh, with a guest who reviews it for their own show every week. Um, and I, I was saying pretty much the same thing to them in that I, I don't like the way it, it's kind of the story has to fit into Hell in a Cell rather than Hell in a Cell fitting the story. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, like you said, it should be a big blow-off at the end of a feud. It should be a big, you know, the, the, the big climax to this big rivalry. And then, oh, yeah, well, it, you know, this this doesn't contain you. This arena doesn't contain you. We've got, okay, well, then Hell in a Cell to end it sort of thing. I'm fully on yeah. board with that. I agree with you about um, Money in the Bank still needing its own show. I, I, I didn't actually think of that until you mentioned it, but I, I completely agree. I'm bored with that um, in that it's almost become a part of the calendar. It's almost the big five now. It's almost yeah, yeah. the big five now with Money in the Bank taking the fifth spot. That's the way I see it anyway, because it's one of the better stipulation matches they they do. Yeah. And it, it, and it makes sense where it is as well. Exactly. It influences, I suppose, the rest of the calendar year. In a way, yeah. I suppose, the Rumble does with regards to winning a WrestleMania title shot. Oh, I'm you keeping the Rumble have... as well. I'm not getting rid of the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah, of course. No, no, I, I, I'm not suggesting that for a second. But I'm meaning as in the Rumble influences later months in the wrestling calendar. Oh, yeah, Money yeah, in the yeah. Bank. Yeah, Money in the Bank has kind of developed into a, a sort of level like that in that the winner of that match has the contract for a certain period of time and it kind of works into the way the, ca- the wrestling calendar is structured, but I can completely get on board with this themed pay-per-views idea. Um, that's a great shape for Binnett. I'm fully on board with that. Get rid of that. Definitely. Um, get in the bin. Exactly. Get in the bin. Um, could I have your book it then, please, sir? Oh, book it. I've, uh, I was thinking about this for a while, to be fair, because I wasn't 100 because I've got loads of them that I could do, but I, can't, I don't want to sit here all day and bore you. Um, so I've gone with <laughs> one that's probably a bit more recent, which is uh, Seth Rollins' return in 2016. Okay. Where uh, he came in, attacked Roman Reigns after a match, and then the following, had like a massive babyface reaction, and the following night on Raw, cut a stupidly heelish promo. I probably, if it was me, I would have just fed off that reaction and I would have turned Seth face and turned Roman heel. And then you could have had a actual baby face that people are behind. And the story would have worked out exactly the same because Seth Rollins turned face again like three, four months down the line anyway. And I know, like, it, I know it had like the whole Dean Ambrose cash in and everything like that, and the Shield triple threat. But you could have done that in the exact same way with just Seth and Roman swip, switching positions as to who's the heel and who's the babyface. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I think it's very difficult when you've got someone in a prominent position that high up the card, like a Seth Rollins, for example, or, or um, when Triple H was a heel and went out for a long time before returning in 2002. I mean, it's very difficult, regardless of being the bad guy, if they're that prominent and that talented, when they return, they're going to get cheered. Yeah, it's just it's just a human reaction. It's the surprise. It's the joy of seeing this person again. Um, it's like in two thousand and nine, Edge was one of the biggest heels in the world, but he took six months out, came back at the Royal Rumble, and got the biggest babyface reaction ever. And so they just turned to babyface. They could have done the exactly. exact same thing with Seth, and it would have worked out exactly the same down the line in six months' time when they're doing the Shield reunion anyway. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think the big issue you've got there is. At the time, the company was very much behind the babyface version of Roman Reigns. That was who they were strapping the rocket to. That was yeah. their, in their mind, their golden goose, their next Hogan, their next Austin, their next Cena, whatever. You look uh, where the, he is now. He's moment. a heel and he's at the top it, of the company. So they could have done the exact exactly. same thing, but four years ago. Exactly. And the amount of times people in this era that we're discussing now, that, that sort of time of Rodden's return, we're saying, just turn him, just turn him, just turn him. I mean, the amount of conversations my wife and I had about turning it and so on, you know, just sort of sat fantasy booking, chatting away of an evening sort of thing. Um, but it never happened until now. Um, and it shows how great and talented the guy is at this role. He's, he's a natural at it. I think he's, he's the best thing on WWE television at the moment for me. Oh, definitely. Um, I 100% agree with that. But I agree. You know, Rollins got this huge baby face pop. They wasted, and maybe it was a time for a change. So no, I can fully get on board with that too, sir. Okay, um, and then finally, just to finish the show on something nice and positive, nice and happy. Let's have your best. Oh well, going back to my early years of sessions with the Hardy Boys. Um... The first two TRC matches are always a go-to for me. I stick them on all the time, and they're always brilliant. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the one that stands out for me is um, WrestleMania 17. Um, Yeah. I mean, that show itself. um, It's the 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 best WrestleMania they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. This couple of matches are good. Uh, and you've got a bit of comedy stuff there with the the hardcore match with Kane, Big Show, and uh, Raven. Raven, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and, it, and it's entertaining. It's it's okay. But after that, it just takes off, and the, each match is just absolutely stellar. And the fact yeah. that the TLC match was part of that event as well, just I think it shows how great this TLC match was when oh, it's on a card fantastic. with... Yeah, yeah, it's on, it's on a show with Angle versus Benoit. It's on a show with Austin versus The Rock. You've got Triple H versus The Undertaker. And yet this match here for the Tag Team Championships still stands out when it's surrounded by all that quality. It, I think it's a test of the bigger matches that they that. talk about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. If you had to pick one or the other, which one would be your go-to? Which TLC oh, match would be your first choice? TLC 2. Yeah. Yeah, TLC two over TLC one, but that's again just because of all the reasons you just laid out there. It's just again, I think it was the performers trying to one up themselves as well, which helped make the match even better. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that, I understand, and it's it's some very very talented guys in the, in there as well. I think Bubba Ray Dudley is very underrated. Oh yeah, um, Edge, Edge and Christian are obviously you know very very good at what they did. And then you got Matt and Jeff who just threw themselves around like lunatics. It was, you know, <laughs> really entertaining, kind of fantastic stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, Dale, I have had a wonderful time talking with you this afternoon. Thank you very, very much for um, giving up some of your time to discuss this crazy world of wrestling and letting us know about the whole training process and your career so far. Um, it's been my if, pleasure. No, I've, I've loved it. Thank you. If you could let everybody know out there listening where they can find you on the various social media platforms including your uh, YouTube page where all your matches are available please yeah uh, it's Instagram and Twitter at dale.jnr so Dale Jr and uh, then Facebook and YouTube at Dale Johnson Wrestler 
Great stuff. No worries. What I'll do is as well, when this episode comes out, obviously I'll tag you in in it everywhere I share it. Um, yep. So people can find your links via that as well. Um, I very much look forward to seeing you wrestle again soon when events are hopefully back up and running sooner rather than later. Um, I'd love to have you back on the show as well sometime in the future to discuss how things are going or whether we'd have a look at a certain pay-per-view or something if you'd be interested, sir. Yeah, no problem, mate. Just uh, let me know. I'm always uh, willing to talk about wrestling. Yeah, I'm me. I'm me. That's why I started. <laughs> <laughs> no, great stuff. Okay, well, again, thank you very much for your time, and I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.